Welcome to Planet Sleep. I'm your host, Josh, and tonight we're going to travel halfway around the world to visit the beautiful yet wild Australian outback. Before we go, I want to remind you that one way you can support the show is by making sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and YouTube, where we post a video version of the show every week with lots of visuals and beautiful scenery to help you drift into a peaceful sleep. But now that you're ready to go, let's head to the Outback. You are the only human for miles as you stand within an open field of flowers. There is nothing but the wind and the hum of insects in your ears. The buzzing bees move from one budding flower to the next. Bright and pink are their petals. Some are open and flat, coated with a sprinkle of morning dew. Some jut from their stems in giant bolts of bright colors. They cover the land before you and sway with each gust of wind. They make a soft bed of color and warmth, and the fragrance of each petal surrounds the air around you. You are alone, yet you are precisely where you want to be. One of the most remote regions on the entire planet. The Australian outback nests in the heart of Down Under. The natives have lived across the outback for over 50,000 years, but they have maintained the integrity of nature, and it is one of the last remaining areas of land where humans have had little to no exploitation of its resources. It is a haven of Mother Nature's most genuine intentions. It is virgin earth unscathed by man. Various climates cover its land, and its seasons lend to a healthy change of scenery to each plain, river, and jungle. Some regions remain dry and arid, while others see their fair share of rainfall brought by mighty monsoons. From the western coasts to the northern reaches of Australia, these winds carry the rains of salvation. These are the rains that give life to the field before you, where flowers burst with color and bees pollinate the countryside. It is an area almost entirely separated from the rest of the world, which gives the Australian outback its distinct characteristics. What was once an intricate jungle landscape of frothing rivers and curling trees, when the supercontinent had broken off and separated from Pangaea, this land experienced a tremendous change, and its separation from the other continents allowed for parallel evolution of wildlife. It is a place where fish experiment with lungs, birds grow to seven feet, trees become fire-resistant, and mammals lay eggs. Within an ecosystem where dinosaurs and fierce predators once dominated the lands, the habits and instincts of the remaining creatures have not forgotten 
the survival of their unique ancestors. Millions of years of history rest beneath the gentle flower bed before you. Fossils hide within the earth, and the far-off birds sing a similar song of their forebears. What you see now, the bees, the birds, the trees, is the result of millions of years of change and adaptation. And as you watch an emu wander across the distant plain, you understand that the earth beneath you has moved just the same over millions of years. The layers of earth have traveled leagues through time and space. Known as Gondwanaland, this massive patch of earth was once the most significant piece of continental crust on the planet. Roughly 180 million years ago, it began to break apart and would later form about two-thirds of the Earth's continental area. Not only did Gondwanaland contribute its name to the 12th studio album by the psych rock band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, but it had also spread its land to many different areas around the planet. And this included the lone continent of Australia. This land would drift far away from the rest of the world and find a place to settle in between the Indian and Pacific Oceans. As this continent fled from the rest of the pack, it made its way towards the Tropic of Capricorn. Its climate continued to change over its long journey. It shifted to a remote corner where only a handful of small neighboring islands joined it. And along the way, the sweltering jungles that once covered the continent had broken up. Its movement into the southern hemisphere could no longer sustain its old way of life. Some of the lands turned into hot, arid desert, while other areas cultivated temperate grasslands. A few areas managed to hold on to their rainforest roots, but as the land and climate changed, Flora and fauna changed along with it. As the dinosaurs died out, they left behind not only their fossils and footprints within the Australian rock, but a slew of descendants. Each of the various birds that still wander the outback is reminiscent of the leathery lizards that once dominated the Jurassic forests. And now, with no large predators within the forests of Australia, the small animals and birds can freely graze without fear. Plentiful amounts of food thrived within the climate, and although the new birds adapted to their changing ecosystem, many of them couldn't shake the old habits of their reptilian ancestors. From beyond the rich flower bed, a dense thicket of rainforest lines the far-off countryside. You hike your way through the knee-tall grass and be careful not to disturb the pollinating insects flying from one wildflower to the next. The sun inches its way across the sky from morning into noon. The dew of the grassland has all but evaporated, but you sense an even greater mist ahead. As you reach the edge of the rainforest, a heady burst of heat and humidity escapes from its leaves. As you peel back the layers of broadleaf trees and knock the drops of water to the ground, 
you see what looks like a small dinosaur walking on its hind legs. Although not actually a dinosaur, this enormous bird is a cassowary. Some of these behemoths can weigh over 180 pounds, and out of the corner of your eye, it could easily be mistaken for an ancient dinosaur lurking in a Jurassic forest. Its large, leathery feet lumber across the soft rainforest floor as a large animal makes its way through the trees. Sharp claws scrape the ground at the end of its three-toed foot. Its middle toe looks like a dagger and grows up to five inches long. The cassowary's neck is covered in bright red and blue skin, leathery and loose, and its large eyes watch you from afar. On its head there protrudes a large hornbill, jutting towards the sky. And the only physical differences between this large bird and dinosaurs from ancient times are its small wings and dark plume of black feathers. Its body is a large round blob of thin feathers that sits above its skinny legs and below its neck. It keeps one of its large eyes on you, and it casually struts through the bushwhack trail ahead in search of fruits, flowers, and fungi. And if it can't find those, it might snack on snails, insects, or frogs. Although the cassowary appears docile at a distance, you make sure not to move too close. Its five-inch dagger attached to its middle toe is known to kill. So you wait until the bird passes through before continuing further into the rainforest. While some of the birds of the Australian outback once weighed 550 pounds, those monstrosities are now extinct. Only their distant relatives now claim the countryside. As you make your way through a thicket of dense foliage, gently slicing through the vegetation with a small machete, you cross paths with one of these relatives. Although much smaller in size and stature, the blackbird carries along with the tradition of reptiles. Named the Australian brush turkey, this plump bird sports a bright red head, a yellow collar, and a dark fat body. Much smaller than his ancestors, the brush turkey only grows 30 inches in length and weighs around 5 pounds. And their name is a bit misleading, as they are very different from American turkeys. The dark bird circles around his territory, and he picks at the ground. He shuffles a clump of leaves with his talons. He is in the middle of building a mound, which he will soon use as a nest. And since he has multiple mates, he'll have to create several nests within one large mound to successfully incubate the eggs. Once he has finished building his mound of sticks, leaves, and dirt, it can weigh up to four tons. The females will then come and lay their eggs in the small pockets within the mound. Over time, the leaves of the mound will break down. A fungus grows and causes the leaves to decompose. The mound will produce heat during this decomposition process, acting as a natural incubator for the eggs. He must be delicate and attentive 
ensuring that the nests stay between 86 and 95 degrees. And he does this by sticking his head into each nest and checking the temperature with his beak or tongue. Typically, this temperature testing and mound incubation process is common with reptiles, not birds. But the Australian brush turkey hasn't been able to shake off the old habits of his reptilian ancestors. This episode of Planet Sleep is kindly brought to you by Policy Genius. Summer's coming to an end, and the leaves are about to fall. While Mother Nature does her thing to prepare for the new season, you can do yours by seeing how much you could save on home and auto insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a much lower price. They've saved customers on average $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on auto insurance and an average of $350 per year on home insurance. Their team will handle the paperwork to set up your new policy or switch over your current one. Getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius takes it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. If they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. Their top-notch service has earned Policy Genius thousands of five-star reviews across Trustpilot and Google. So head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policygenius.com. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. After spending several hours in the rainforest, leaning against a large tree, and watching wildlife go about its day, you circle back towards the grassland. The sun breaks through the tree line, and you soon find yourself in an open field of tall grass and large patches of dirt. Dozens of different animal tracks have imprinted themselves into the drying dirt, and many look as if they are dinosaur tracks. But the earth is too fresh, the ground too loose, to maintain tracks from that long ago. Once you think you are over your fair share of Australian birds, the outback reveals one more to you. One with a peculiar history among Australians. About 50 yards from the dirt tracks, you see a small congregation of birds. They prance beneath a western mile tree. Its far-reaching canopy lends a good amount of shade for the thirsty birds below. They appear agitated and hostile, flapping their wings and darting towards each other. You're unsure if that is their nature or something else is at play. They chase each other in short bursts, and you hear loud hissing noises coming from where they gather. They are large birds and look similar to your old friend, the cassowary, but even more prominent, less leathery and more feathery. 
The Australian emu bounces along the plains and chases its neighbors. At first, there were maybe a dozen or so, but even more appear from around a narrow tree line. They gather to watch each other hiss and dash along the grass. These seemingly brash and stupid birds had once cost the Australian government thousands of rounds of ammunition. And no Australian will ever forget that their government once lost a war to this formidable bird. After the First World War, many British and Australian veterans were offered farmland by the Australian government. And after years of work, they soon realized the conditions of these lands made it nearly impossible to turn a decent profit. The Great Depression hit, and in 1932, these farmers struggled not only with the falling prices of wheat, but the emus that terrorized their crops. Thousands of these birds moved in from the outback and began eating all of these farmers' crops. 22,000 have been recorded eating from the various farms of Western Australia. In desperation, the farmers pleaded for the Ministry of Defense to send help. A major and his two soldiers responded to the call, and they brought with them two machine guns and 10,000 rounds of ammo. This would eventually be known as the Great Emu War. The soldiers thought it would be simple. Killing a bunch of dumb birds in a large group would be easy, right? Wrong. As the men opened fire on the emus, they could dodge, duck, dip, and dive through the bullets. They also hadn't realized emus could run over 30 miles per hour. The men also underestimated the incredible agility of the emus. And after 2,500 rounds wasted, they had only killed 200 emus. The men withdrew, losing their first battle, but they would soon return. In their second attempt, they managed to kill almost a thousand emus using 10,000 rounds of ammo. Yet even then, the vast number of emus that flocked the countryside was far too great. And again, the Australian military withdrew. And their country would be the only country to lose a war to birds. Although a bounty system would eventually claim the lives of thousands of more emus, these large, powerful birds still dominate the Australian outback to this day. They thrive near sources of water, of which the outback has many, and they reproduce over two months. Often a clump of trees you see a male tending to the incubation. He sits there alone atop the nest. His partner left him many weeks ago. Her only duty in the reproduction process is to lay her eggs leaving him to finish the rest. Through the entire incubation period, the male doesn't eat, drink, or defecate. An impressive feat. Before he roosts, he gains a lot of weight, similar to animals who enter hibernation, and he puts himself in a state of semi-lethargy. The female might protect the grounds near the nest, but she is mostly absent through the eight months. And if all goes according to plan, the chicks will hatch 
and the male will be relieved after months of starvation and thirst. His first instinct is to find a source of water to replenish his thirst, and his children's first steps will be taken behind their father as they follow him to the water source. You bypass the field of rowdy emus and hike along a winding trail through the outback. Beside you, the tall grass and shrubbery grow up to your knees. Much of the grassland spreads out like this for miles, with sparse groupings of trees occasionally interrupting the plains. In the distance near the horizon, a massive plateau of red rock juts from the plain. As you continue along the path, it isn't long until you cross one of the most common and certainly the most famous animals of the Australian outback. Luckily, the Australian government hasn't waged war on these marsupials. Her arms are short and her legs are long. Her genus name, Macropus, stems from a Latin word meaning large foot. She is the only large land animal of her kind that prefers hopping as her means of travel and she can travel at speeds up to 35 miles per hour. She is, of course, a kangaroo, one of many in the Australian outback. She grazes the land alongside her joeys, and a bigger troop of female kangaroos follow not far behind. They are very social herbivores, and they enjoy grazing the grasslands together as a group. Although the grass is hard to digest, the kangaroos can chew on the vegetation much like a cow. You see her slowly chewing cud. Her jaw goes around in circles as she works away at the tough grass. And the grass she has already swallowed can be regurgitated and eaten again. It can be a slow process, but her ability to eat the grass of the outback means she will seldom be short on food unless a season of drought comes her way. Her joeys stay near their mother, and they wait patiently as she eats. They don't eat the grass just yet, as most of them feed on her milk. And although her young are vulnerable out in the open grassland, the mother has a trick up her sleeve in the face of danger. The older females of the kangaroo troop can use their tails to balance themselves on their hind legs, when most other animals of the outback stay low to the ground, the kangaroo can see much further over the tall grass when balancing on their tail. This allows them to see much further than the other prey of the land, and they can alert the troop of any suspicious movements out in the grass. As a hungry dingo sneaks along the perimeter of the troop, one of the kangaroos spots him. She warns the others. In an instant, the mother quickly collects her young joeys in her pouch and bolts off in the opposite direction of the dingo. Although the dingo can outrun her, the kangaroo is near impossible to catch. She can jump nearly six and a half feet in one hop. She can quickly leap over rocks, down tree trunks, and patches of thicket that sprawl across the outback. While the dingo has much more trouble with the obstacles of the plains, after an unsuccessful hunt, the dingo wanders off in hopes of finding 
an unsuspecting group of prey. By chance, as you continue to wander through the plains, you run into the kangaroo mother again. Through your binoculars, you spot her in a new foraging plane, and you can confirm it's her by the familiar joeys that wander around her feet. They play along the tufts of savanna grass as their mother finishes her meal. While nursing, the young joeys can simply hop into their mother's pouch and drink the milk. This is a protective and nourishing spot for the joey, and soon they will realize they're too big to fit inside. They'll eventually wean themselves off their mother's milk and begin to develop a strong digestive system that can handle the grass around them. The mother can then produce more young. In a miracle of mother nature, kangaroos can continuously get pregnant and even have the ability to suspend a pregnancy until weaning off the older joey. They can also produce two different types of milk, one that is more carbohydrates for the older joey and one that is higher in fat for the joey that is not yet born. This way, once she gives birth to her youngest, she'll have the appropriate nourishment at the ready. And if her resources run dry in a season of drought, she can also suspend the pregnancy until she can feed and produce milk once again. For the marsupials of the Australian outback, survival is not always the most convenient. Animals like the kangaroo must care for their newborns months and months after birth and their environment is filled with predators, snakes, crocodiles, and dingoes. So through the ancient tree of evolution, they have developed incredible abilities to survive. The pouch, the stagnating pregnancy, the two types of milk, and the incredible quick hops through the savanna have contributed to the kangaroo's success, despite having high-maintenance offspring. While some of the marsupials of the outback have become the fittest for survival, others have made scientists scratch their heads and wonder how they've come this far. This episode of Planet Sleep is also brought to you by HelloFresh. Fall is a busy time of year, but HelloFresh recipes save time you'd otherwise spend meal planning, shopping and chopping, so you can get back to what matters. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week. From vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. The fall harvest is officially on with HelloFresh. Count on seasonal recipes like pumpkin cinnamon rolls and Friendsgiving ready sides, as well as fresh high quality ingredients that travel from the farm to your front door in less than a week. I love HelloFresh because they save me so much time that I just don't have anymore to go to the grocery store, buy ingredients, and then come home and cook a meal. I also love HelloFresh because it really does teach you how to cook different types of cuisine. With their step-by-step recipe cards, you can have a home-cooked delicious meal on your table in 30 minutes or less. Plus, I love HelloFresh's flexibility of being able to start and stop your subscription whenever you want. 
So check out HelloFresh today and see why they're America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash PlanetSleep14 and use code PlanetSleep14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash PlanetSleep14 and use code PlanetSleep14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. As the afternoon sun moves across the sky, the troop of kangaroos disperses across the savannah. You put your binoculars away and head down a small winding path leading through a bright meadow of light grass and scrub terrain. In a countryside so populated with wildlife, you wonder where these animals find their homes and how they remain safe from countless predators. Out in the fields, you feel vulnerable and open to danger and you feel as if a set of eyes can be watching you from any direction. You decide to work your way towards a tree line. The cover of the canopy feels like the safest place in the outback, rather than the open hunting fields of the savannah. A grouping of eucalyptus trees lies ahead, and you rush towards their shelter of leaves. The gentle touch of leaves against your skin calms you, It feels like a suit of camouflage compared to the open acres of field behind you. The world grows a bit smaller in the company of trees, a bit safer. Deeper in the small forest, you hear a slight rustling from the tree branches above. As you look upwards into the bright canopy, you spot a big, furry blob of gray clinging to a limb. It's too slow for a monkey and too large for a possum. Its fluffy ears sway with the breeze, and its big head turns to look at you in confusion. Unmistakably, this is a koala. She looks at you and slowly scratches her downturned spoon-shaped nose, and she looks back to the tree and plucks a green leaf from a nearby limb, placing it into her tiny mouth She deliberately chews the leaf with gentle, churning motions, and within a moment, she is back to her resting position. Although commonly referred to as a bear, she is not. She is a marsupial, similar in ways to the kangaroos, but also vastly different. They have pouches near their stomach where they hold their young joeys, except the koala's pouch opens up to the bottom instead of the top. This is so her young can feed on her digested secretion of eucalyptus leaves. This is how they wean their young off of breast milk and begin forming their future diet of eucalyptus. These hardy fibrous leaves are found throughout the outback and are the koala's primary food source. Because of these leaves, this clumsy, drowsy, generally useless, but adorable creature has been able to survive for so long. She gets to eat from the trees that no other animal wants to eat from. So her resources are plentiful and foraging is always convenient. Eucalyptus leaves contain a poison that will kill most other animals, yet the koala can digest it. Not only that, but the leaves are also low in nutrients and high in fiber. So the koala has a separate intestine that can digest the leaves through a fermentation process. 
Because their diet lacked so much nutrition and their metabolism is sluggish, the koalas sleep for most of the day, sometimes up to 22 hours. As she rests up in the tree, her young Joey wriggles its head from her pouch and looks at you with bright, puffy eyes. He is as confused as his mother, but he's too tired to worry. He rubs his eye and blinks at you. After a moment, he sinks back into the warm pouch and returns to his slumber. And as they both sleep away their lives up in the tree, the mother clings onto the branch with ease. Up there, they stay safe from most predators. Their front hands have an efficient grip and two thumbs on either hand, perfect for foraging the eucalyptus leaves. While their rear hands have a large clawless thumb meant for holding tight to tree branches while they forage or sleep. They also have two combined fingers on their back hands with claws attached. This is perfect for giving themselves an excellent scratch and grooming themselves before bed. Up in the tree, the mother wakes again to look at you. She is unsure of your motives and something inside her sleepy head is telling her she needs to protect her young. She nimbly makes her way down the tree, but once she reaches the ground, she stumbles and crawls away, as if she's leaving the local watering hole and struggling home. Although their hands are great for traversing the trees, the koalas are incredibly awkward walking along the ground. They only do this when they absolutely need to. If they're looking for a new mate, new food, or simply trying to avoid the strange human watching her. She stumbles her way through the forest and disappears in search of a new tree to sleep in. As you clear through the forest with your machete again, you reach another clearing in the outback. Yet this time, instead of wandering along a bushwhack trail, you meet a traveling merchant and his two camels. After an equal trade of Australian dollars, he gives you one of the camels. You climb aboard the tall beast and ride for as far into the outback as he can carry you. You provide him with water and hay along the way, and he plods along the dirt until it becomes sand. Deeper into the outback you go, where red rocks and yellow grass cover an arid countryside, and along the horizon, dark barbed wire fences snakes along the ground. From one end to the other, you cannot see the barrier's beginning or end, and they disappear around rock formations. This is the Dingo Fence, the longest fence in the world, spanning nearly 3,500 miles across Australia. This barbed wire wall of defense is meant to keep dingoes from migrating into the southeastern reaches of the country. When the early colonists began cultivating sheep, they were immediately met with the apex predator of the outback. The shepherds could not protect their flock, and they quickly realized they needed to deter the dingoes from picking away at their harmless sheep. So like a politician, they built a wall. And instead of keeping the orange-haired creatures in, they built it to keep them out. The dingo is often seen roaming the arid fields of the outback, but can also wander the forests. In the desert, they wear a light orange coat of fur. 
while in the woods, they have a darker brown color. They are thought to have driven the ancient marsupial wolf into extinction, and they are descendants of the Asian wolf, although we aren't sure how they first came to Australia. Regardless, they are the dominators of the outback. They are apex predators and have little to no competition with the various prey of the land. They are the largest land carnivores of the outback, and they hunt almost anything with a heartbeat. Dingoes often work together in packs of up to 12 others, but they are often spotted alone as they have adapted to different hunting strategies depending on the situation. They are successful hunters and have survived the outback for centuries. Although you are curious to see another one as you cross through a gate within the barbed wire fence, the last thing you need on your camelback trek across the outback is a dingo attack. But despite their aggression, they remind you of a domesticated dog with gentle eyes and long fur. They don't bark, but they do howl like wolves. And conservation strategies seek to keep the dingo protected and separate from domesticated dogs. They are wild animals meant to roam the outback and chase kangaroos, not pick up the daily newspaper and poop on the floor. Crossing into the more arid regions of the outback, you adjust your hat as the sun begins its descent. Out in the barren fields of the desert, white mounds start to appear. Piles and piles of white rocks spread out across the horizon. You have entered the opal field of Australia. Heavy machinery crunches along the ground. Miners begin to power down the drills and cranes so they can go home after a long day of work. They dig for precious opal, a beautiful rock that looks as if galaxies of color live within its layers. You journey onwards through the mounds and quarries, and the sun begins to set behind a far-off plateau. You were hoping to make it to Ayers Rock today, a massive bust of sandstone in the heart of Australia. But you must camp for now and save that journey for tomorrow. Uluru, as it is traditionally known by the aboriginals of Australia, rests in the middle of a giant arid plain. Nothing identifiable stands out against the huge rock, and it seems to glow dark red at sunset. Its mysterious geography makes it look like the rock was misplaced there by the hand of Mother Nature and its beauty is undeniable. Its weathered surface cascades from the top of its 2,800 foot dome, and its entire formation appears to be one congruous rock. Uluru began to form 500 million years ago and is the result of deposit buildup. The grand rock in the middle of nowhere is where you'll journey tomorrow, but for now, you pitch a tent beside a shallow ridge, and you set a bucket of water down for your camel. He rests against the sand. As the sun fades, leaving nothing but a gray shadow across the plains, you click on the lighter to your propane lantern and watch it light up. You crawl into your sleeping bag and look out of the small mesh window of your tent, 
where you watch the rest of the natural light fade from the world. The hiss of the propane lantern and the hushed chirping of crickets makes you tired. You turn off the lantern and close your eyes and the crickets guide you into a deep dream. That concludes tonight's journey to Planet Sleep. I hope this episode provided you with the peace and serenity you're looking for. And hopefully, you learned something about the Australian Outback along the way. If Planet Sleep helps you in any way, I'd love for you to leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you're subscribed to the show on all platforms. But that's all for now. I'll see you again in our next journey to planet sleep. But until then, stay peaceful, my friends. <laughs>